0: Believe it, say amen. I love that song. You can be seated. Thank you, Walter, Alice, and Chris. Thank you all for playing. Your Bible's open this morning to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I did mention a couple of things, so let me do a little, uh, little bit more, a few more announcements. Galatians 5. And first of all, uh, I'm, I'm going to delay my series on the family and, and let me explain why. I wanted to resume my, my series this morning, but full disclosure is I'm going to be gone next Sunday. Uh, usually preachers don't tell you in advance, but y'all, y'all love to hear Robbie preach and teach. And he usually lets you out earlier than I do, so he's always a hit around here. And I appreciate that. It just blesses my heart to hear y'all brag on him. Um, But he'll be preaching for me. Let me explain why. And I hate to be gone on Mother's Day. It's the first Mother's Day I've missed since I've been your pastor. Um, But I'm going to a conference and come to find out, uh, really, Linda, you were right. uh, Most of my conference is on Saturday and it goes to Saturday night until 9 o'clock in Nashville. And so I want to be a good steward of going there because it's not free and so I'm going to stay. My son's driving me. My younger son, Jonathan, is driving me. But I just don't think I could come back at you know, 2 o'clock in the morning and be ready to preach and do God's Word justice. So Robbie's going to be leading next Sunday morning. And, of course, next Sunday morning is Mother's Day. So I know they have a special gift for all the ladies that will be in worship next Sunday. And uh, so I won't see you then, so I want to say Happy Mother's Day. There's nothing like mother's love, is there? Is there not? I think about my mom all the time. Mom lived with us for several years and her waning, when her health was waning, and um, uh, and it was uh, it was a blessing. And uh, you know, it's the true. The older you get, the more you respect your parents. I don't know how my mom did it, but she was a single parent from uh, the time I was a young teenager, and my, I was eleven, my sister was thirteen. And uh, I wasn't the best acting child in the world. And my mom was a single parent and did a, did a great job and provided for us. Isn't that amazing? A single mom provided for us for all those years. So anyway, I don't want to get off on that and get all emotional. But, uh, but anyway, so Robbie will be teaching for us. He's doing children's church today as well. But he'll be preaching and teaching for me next Sunday. And I'm just sorry. I hate to be gone. But I just wanted to tell you in advance, I, I will be gone. Also, this coming Wednesday is Covered Dish. If you've never joined us on a Wednesday night, we uh, maybe you're not familiar with what we've done this ever since I've been here. We provide a meal. Well, on, on the Covered Dish night, the church provides the chicken. We, have, we order a bunch of fried chicken, and you provide the sides. And uh, it's, there's not a set cost. You pay what you can. And bring what you can on the first covered dish night. You bring the other food, and we eat. And the rest of the Wednesday nights, we cook something. And again, you pay what you can. And we always have a delicious meal from five thirty to six. And and then we have all of our study groups at six. I will tell you that this month the men are responsible for um, not the men. The men are responsible for the eleventh. The and then i have some ladies that'll be taking we're giving our regular cooks the the month off of may and then also to let you know in june and july we might not even have suppers just to give our all of our workers a rest on wednesday nights wednesday nights are busy for several of our workers and they need a rest just like you and i do but it is covered dish this, this coming wednesday night wanted to make you aware of that your bible's open to galatians chapter 5 and you know i've noticed something about uh I don't think I'm getting older in many ways, but then I wake up in the morning and can barely crawl out of bed, and I realize that I am getting older. And this, and I'm, what I'm fixing to tell you, you're not going to believe. You're going to think I'm making it up, but I'm not making it up. There were three times in a row that I went to, to uh, Walmart. And uh, usually Diane goes, but sometimes I go. And I go quite often. I buy groceries quite often. I've seen many of you in Walmart. Sometimes you can visit half the church in Walmart. And uh, usually, when I see you, is when I run down there when I've been working in the yard. My hair's all messed up. I got a dirty shirt on, ugly shorts, and you know. And you see, that's when I see most people is when I'm not dressed to see people. But anyway, so but the last there were three times in a row, three times in a row that I went there that I went back to the uh, drink aisle and I saw a deacon buying booze. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just you kidding. Know, that's good. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't have said that. that that's wrong. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, but I was buying a bottle of water. And, uh, and three times in a row, I had a guy ask me, "Did I need help picking up the water?" No kidding, three times. To- I mean, I don't know what. Do I look like an invalid? I mean, three times, three times, and I kept thinking. The first time, I was thinking, "Am I, am I walking?" I'm not. I don't have a cane. I, I'm walking upright. I'm... But three times in a row, um, they asked me if I needed help putting water. And sometimes I'm thinking, "Yeah, it would be helpful." I'd rather you take it outside and put it in my car, anyway, so, so anyway, getting old is not fun, is it? It's tough. Um, I respect anybody that's, I mean, I'm fixing to be 62, so, can you believe that? I've been here since I was 49 years old, isn't that amazing? It's, it's incredible. Um. I mean, I've aged a lot better than Walter because he's been here a long time too. So I'm just kidding. Well, when we think about the doctrine of salvation, because I wanted to wait and start the series on the family till the Sunday after next and and two weeks from today, I I just wanted to talk to you this morning about uh, the doctrine of salvation. So I want you to go with me to Galatians 5 and... uh, The whole book of Galatians is talking about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So Let me say it again. It's a defense of salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. The whole book of Galatians is a defense of of canceling out you and I, or anybody in the history of, of Christianity meriting God's favor and God owing them salvation. And um, in towards the end of Galatians chapter, in, towards the end of Galatians in chapter 5 and 6, Paul gets real pointed towards a false belief in his day of, and, and again, these are just words and sometimes they don't mean a whole lot to you today, but, Just like there's false beliefs today, there's certain you know all kind of different uh, false beliefs and groups of religions out there that don't believe all that the Bible teaches. in In the first century, when Paul was an apostle, um, there was a group called the Judaizers, and and just the main thing was they would and they did. We studied the Book of Acts; we saw this when. A few months ago, we, we finished the book of Acts. But for years, we went through the book of Acts. And, and when we were studying that, we would see Paul go to a city. Let's just make one up. Uh, he would go to Philippi, where we get the book of Philippians from. So he went to Philippi. And and, and then when he leaves Philippi, this group of Jews, they, call, they were called the Jews. And what they meant was these, these Pharisees and religious leaders of the Jews would come in behind him. And teach contrary to what Paul would teach. In Galatia, they did the same. And these Judaizers would teach that... Basically this. It's great to love Jesus and believe in Jesus. Basically, they said that's okay. But you have to become a Jew in ceremonial celebration, but also in identity in your body. And for a male... That meant circumcision. So Paul called them often the circumcision. So he was referring to a group of people that said, Jesus is not enough. You must be circumcised. Now, today, that's not what's being promoted. But I will tell you that it, today there's groups of people that say, it's Jesus plus my good behavior, right? You may not believe that. There may be somebody in this room that believes that. That somehow, some way, they think they can add to what Jesus has done. So they believe in Christ and good behavior. One of the worst doctrines, and there's some in here or have believed in it, may even they believe that it's Jesus plus baptism. There are people that believe that baptism... Keeps your salvation. Or if you lose your salvation, you can get it back by being rebaptized. Or there's others in here, maybe, or other churches that have never repented, never been born again, there's been no change in their life, but if you ask them about their salvation, you know what they'll say? I was baptized when I was nine. That kind of baptism does not save, does it? Now, baptism makes you a member of the church. You identify just like... But it doesn't save. It's an ordinance. It does not save. Just like we observed the ordinance of the Lord's Supper last Sunday. You may have taken the elements, but if you're lost, you're still lost. Because these elements don't save. It's in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone that folks are saved. That's how you must be saved. And so it's Paul's dealing with these Judaizers and he really, he really makes the distinction here in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 and uh, just make a couple of comments and observations about the text and, and about salvation. It says, For freedom, Galatians 5, 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Now again, there's others that believe. um, Let me just say another word. It's a big word. Antinomianism. Nomianism Nomianism is the word for law. Anti-law. There's another group of people, this is popular today, that basically want to say because Christ... Okay, they say that God's law does no longer apply to me. That I've been saved and it doesn't matter how I live because Christ died for sin... I've accepted Christ and so I can live any way I want to because I'm free from the law. They, they, they don't think God's word and His laws apply to them. They take this out of context and that's antinomianism, anti-law. They don't think God's word and His commands apply to them and so they can live like they want and still claim the name of Jesus. That's a very popular movement. For freedom Christ has set us free. Paul says, stand firm, therefore. So he sets us free, but then he says, but stand, and this is a command, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Talking about a slavery to sin. So we know that's not true, that antinomianism is not true, because he says, he sets you free, but he sets you free so you wouldn't be a slave to sin, you'd be a slave to obedience. To righteousness, He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. His point was that if you're going to accept circumcision as a means of salvation... Well, along with circumcision is the whole Mosaic law. So if you're going to take one part of the law, take all of it, right? Or you can't be saved. So you're obligated, if you want to choose that mode, then you have to obey all of it perfectly all of your life, which obviously is an impossibility. You can't keep all of it 24 hours. He says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, again, some of your translate. This is why ESV matters. The translations matter. He's not saying that you, you're saved and now you're now lost again because you believe this. He's saying you have moved away from the doctrine of grace if you believe, circumcision saves. So you have moved away or you have fallen away from grace for through the Spirit. You know what's interesting? I, I, I thought about this. I, I think of weird things. I need to be more disciplined in my mind for worship sometimes because my mind wonders often. I, I, if yours does, we, you need to learn to discipline it because you can Get way off track but when Robbie was reading Romans eight, which I heard Walter say something to him about the passage, it was just fabulous,'t is that what you told him something about, and he was you could almost give an invitation after that that's just incredible Romans eight is uh it may be the most important chapter in the Bible of the new testament it's incredible but but I say but where where Robbie picked up reading was was talking about the work of the Spirit. And what's interesting, it's just, I was thinking about this. Do you know that in Romans, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned one time, up until Romans 8. In the last part of Romans 8, Paul mentions the Holy Spirit from there through the rest of chapter 8, like a dozen times. Romans 8 is about the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And Paul has remained silent about it. He doesn't even mention the Holy Spirit. But all of a sudden, it's about the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, here he says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you? Some translations say, who bewitched you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. See what Paul's saying there. Yeah, the one teaching this, you're going to bear the penalty. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, so if, if I, which they're saying that I did, pre- this is what Paul's saying. Obviously, these Judaizers have said that I was preaching circumcision. So this is what Paul says. He says, but if I, brethren, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So, what he's saying, if I had preached circumcision, because they had accused him of preaching circumcision, he said, I wouldn't be persecuted. And I wouldn't be offending people because I'm preaching the cross of Christ for salvation. Do you see what he's saying here? How he's, he's telling us a lot of information about what was going on at the church there in, in Galatia. Then he says, I wish... Are you looking at your Bibles? I, these are Paul's most hateful words, I think. I mean, they're truth. We're adults, so we can read it. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, I'll just mention one thing and we'll go back to salvation. Why would Paul say that? Now, now think Paul's logic. If you're saying circumcision is better than Jesus and you believe that, well, take it a step further. Cut it all off. Cut it all off. Emasculate yourself. That would be super spiritual if you really believe this. But, folks, and then Paul says this little thing circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised. It doesn't matter whether you do some good works so or you're a member of the Red Cross or you've been baptized or your granddaddy was a preacher or somebody in your family is a missionary or. Your mama prays three times a day. What? That doesn't save. Jesus Christ alone saves. Now, I'm going to run out of time. Let me, I want to read you a little verse. And I just want you to think with me about this and, and just examining. Because I'm telling you, there's somebody here not saved. Even our crowds down today, and that's part of, part of summertime and all that, that's fine. But in a crowd our size, we just have to be honest. Somebody here is religious but not saved. Statistically, it would have to be true. And I want you to know that there's no salvation in anything outside of Christ. And it's ludicrous to think that God would change the rules for you. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you've never experienced the new birth, isn't the new birth part of the work of salvation? Am I right? Am I right with my theology? Is Okay. Have you been born? It's like you've been made a new person. It's it's the new Genesis. As a matter of fact, one of the times he uses the word Genesis again. You have a new Genesis. And it's a new beginning. It's brand new. And if you... you Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. If you're here today and you have absolutely no draw to God's word, no desire... For Christ and His Word and His work and the will of God in the church. If that doesn't draw you at all, then you're not His. The Book of Hebrews. In Hebrews twelve, every son God reproves. Hebrews twelve, five and six. If you are without chastisement, you're illegitimate. You're not a son. And even some translations use the word we would consider a swear word. You're illegitimate. They use a different word. So, salvation is in no, nothing else except Christ. But then there's the other side of the coin. It's those of us that are saved. And, and, and that's most of us here saved. But we're not serious about salvation. And time's not going to allow me to develop all this, but let me th- let me ask you to think about something. This just in reading scripture this week, you run across verses that I I've never read it in that light before, and when I do, and it kind of stirs me. I, I want to share it with you so it'll stir you. I was reading in I was reading in Luke Luke's Gospel, and this is the events of the crucifixion, events of Christ being arrested, and I'll be brief. But in one scene, Luke records this. It's not recorded anywhere else. It says in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And it says, And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. What did the Lord tell him? He would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And the word Luke uses there is eye to eye. Jesus looked at Peter. This is after he denied him the third time and the rooster crowed. They met eyeball to eyeball. Jesus saw Peter and Peter saw Jesus see him eyeball to eyeball. Do you know that Christ sees you all? The time. Every moment of every day, in thought, in deed, and in word, even in your intentions, Christ sees the heart. He sees everything you do. I can imagine what Peter felt when the penetrating eyes of the Son of God gazed upon him when Peter did exactly what he said he would do by the way the, there's some good news to the story before all that happened Jesus said in in Luke 22:31 he says Peter I have prayed for you you're you know you're going to be sifted but I have prayed for you and of course you know Peter repents we see the scene at the water and he repents and God restores him but it's it's a great story but you know it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Well, the Lord's always looking. By the way, that's one of the great works of the Holy Spirit is Christ's Spirit resides within us. I read this little, uh, or I think I wrote this. Listen to this. It says, did our Lord Jesus set aside Himself from certain divine privilege? Did He pay the price to redeem sinners, destroy the fear of death? Transform true believers as if they're born from anew. Seal us with His Spirit and equip us with spiritual gifts so that local assembly, us local assembled Christians can become a local body of baptized believers. Did He promise to return for believers with His coming promise to give them glorified bodies? Did Jesus do all of this and now is willing to settle for our habitual mediocrity? Did Christ do all of that? Did Jesus Christ our Lord accomplish all of salvation for me and you to be pathetic? Was that His will? Do you know that most of us and us I'm not preaching just to you I'm preaching this that Jesus Christ and his kingdom work it's not your life you know Colossians says when Jesus when Jesus when Christ who is your life appears you and I I'm not talking about not being saved for most of you I know we're saved most of us saved but when we say when Christ who is your life we know where he is we know that our salvation's in Christ but But what Paul was telling the Christians at Colossae is he's everything. Like your life revolves around Jesus. Uh, This is the same idea that Peter used in 1 Peter when he calls us a peculiar people. A chosen race, a holy nation, a peculiar people. It's a people that are wrapped, the idea of the word is we're wrapped around him, that we're called up in everything he is, when Christ who is your life. Now let's just be honest. He's not our life. He's almost no more than a tick in our clock. We don't read his word. We don't pray. We don't serve his body. We don't edify believers. We don't do any of those things. Like we should and we could if we would. But we won't because we love the world more than we do Him. Let me say it. Let me say it different. I love the world more than I do Him a lot. It's not right. So this passage when it is not just talking about saved. But I think about those of us that to be saved. You can't trust in anything, but those of us that are saved, we're still trusting in things that should not matter. I mean, First John, all that is in the world, all of it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, chapter 2, uh, 1 John 2, the lust, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Lord, it's from the world. And it says, and the world is passing away. So why would we follow it? Let's look at. Let's look at. I've got five minutes. So let's look at Galatians five. Let me tell you several things that are not, that I notice here. Number one, he tells us, "For freedom, Christ has set us free." Now, what are we free from? By the way, I was t- talking to John a while ago, R- Robbie's dad, and we we were talking about salvation. If I said. Um, because my class, we're going to be studying the doctrine of salvation. That's the first thing we're saying. And I said, what are you saved from? And we would say, and, and we would be right. Which I've been saved from my sin. And, and that's true. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great confession. I've been saved from my sin. But the first thing you're really saved from is you're saved from God. And His perfect wrath on sin. Right? You've been saved from God pouring out His wrath. His holy wrath on. So you've been saved from God's anger. That's that's incredible. You've been set free from damnation and condemnation. So Paul mentions this being set free. Look what he says. Now I could take you so much further but he's been set free. Then look what he says. So not only are we called to be so we're set free. But then he says stand firm therefore. By the way this is a command. So we're set free. And we are to stand firm. Uh, the idea. I'll go into all the words. But uh, soldiers in the Roman Empire were, were commissioned to positions. And, and that's what they're commissioned. And command was from the superiors. was many times to stand. And that's kind of the idea. Stand firm. And then he says, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And he's talking about being slaves to, to sin. So just breaking down the text, he talks about those of us that are saved. We're being set free from the penalty of sin or the judgment of God. We're to stand firm in our faith. And then he says... Look what he says. He tells us to seek righteousness. He says, I testify again to every man who... um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified uh, by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit... By faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So, the implication is, is for all of us that are saved, we've been set free, we stand firm, and we're seeking righteousness. He also mentions that we're, we have a spiritual life. He says, through the Spirit, by Jesus Christ. But then the last thing I want you to know is, the last phrase of verse 6, and I'll close with, with this idea. It says, verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only, you're looking at it, but only faith working through love. Faith working. Talking about sanctification. It's through faith working James tells us about this he deals with works and faith and works he says show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works and he even asked the question rhetorical he says can a faith without works really save anybody and the answer is no then he says faith without works is a dead faith and you know I can say I I believe in uh, I believe in um, uh, distance running or whatever. I don't run so I, I really don't believe it. You do it if you believe in it. So, so here he he ends this plea here about our about those of us that are saved and not trusting in anything but Christ. That that faith working. We each have a working a working faith. Well. Time's not going to permit me to go everywhere, but flip back to Ephesians, and, and I will finish with this. I said that while I go to dinner. Uh, take a right. In my Bible, it's one page. Ephesians chapter 1. I just want you to notice, uh, Paul kind of explains all this life of the Christian here. Uh, Folks, some people, I mean, it's, you know, there's all kinds of things people try to replace salvation with I, yoga, there's other faiths, transcendental meditation, yoga, all these different uh, feel good and, and self help. Uh, Another way we're doing it is, is we're all victims. We're not sinners. We're not depraved. We're not wicked. We're not dead in sin. We, we have a syndrome. We have a condition. No. Without Jesus Christ, you're lost. And you're condemned. Look what Paul says. He just kind of he does a past, a future, and a present. Look at verse 18. Chapter 1, Ephesians 1. You could read these same things you could read in several places in Ephesians or Romans. It says in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I like that. We sing a song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. There's a lot of truth in that. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which you were called. Were called. That he has called you. To which he has called you. That's past. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Well, that's not past. That's future. So... What I'm showing you is he takes care of all of salvation. Both by going to the cross but also in handling everything there is to salvation. What is the hope to which he has called you? Past tense. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That's future. And then he says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? That's Present tense, folks. Have you been saved, uh, or is there anything outside of of Jesus Christ that you're that you're trusting in? Salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's stand together. You know the New Testament. As we stand, I'll just share this one more thing. Which I lied to you, but I'll share this one more thing. The New Testament uses this word, it's in Romans a couple of times, propitiation. You hear it's, it's a tough word, it's a big word. It's a big doctrine around propitiation. But the word propitiation in the New Testament, like Romans three uses it, he is our propitiation. I'm gonna make a long story short, but when you compare the Old and New Testament, there's a there's a there was a translation of the Old Testament into the New Testament language. So the word propitiation the word that it it meant it's the same word and we finish with this is mercy seat. That was what was on top of the ark of the covenant. That's where the blood was applied. Here it is. Jesus Christ alone is our mercy seat. You cannot be saved except through Christ by faith alone. Through grace alone in Christ alone he is the mercy seat. let's pray for I pray let me remind you we do ask you to stay in fellowship with us if you're here and you've never been saved I pray that God's word and spirit are doing a work on your mind and, and on your heart and, and we're going to be hanging out for A good while together. And if you need to talk to somebody. I'll be glad to talk with you about being saved. There's plenty of others in our church that would do the same. Think about Christ came a Savior. He came to save. Please surrender your will to Him. And be saved. Father we. We we're humbled by your word and we love it God and we're grateful for the complete work of salvation that that really we've been set free by the Son and when you're set free by the Son of God you're really free. Father this is a freedom that purges us from a life of sin and gives us a freedom of will to obey the very Son of God. Father, thank You for the work of Your Word and the work of Your Spirit. Oh God, oh God, save somebody today. Father, call us home. Those of us that have wondered that faith in you and life in you has become a tick in the clock God convict us of that apathy now Lord we're going to fellowship around the tables and there have been hands that have been busy all morning long preparing food and I pray your blessings on them and Lord for the food that we now take and, and enjoy I pray that you'll bless it to our bodies and, and Lord and above that and on top of that I pray that you'll bless the fellowship that we have together In Jesus' name, amen. Let's let our senior adults make their way first.